To the end of the year, welcome to American Soccer Analysis. I'm Harrison Crow. I'm joined with Ian. Uh, we're we're just we're sitting back, relaxing, thinking about this season. The past, I don't want to say twelve. I guess twelve months, right? Like because it's been from January to December. I suppose is what we're kind of encapsulating and thinking about. But really, it's like uh, March to like the first week of December, right? The MLS experience never <laughs> stops. Uh, that that is true. That is, I mean, the season's over, but in already like within a matter of weeks, we had massive trades, and you know, we don't want to necessarily get into all that. Uh, I don't think that days even days even you know right. some of those like some of those uh, teams you know day after MLS Cup like they're submitting their. Their, their roster list for next season and we had expansion and, and yeah it really is there's there's never like a week where nothing happens in major league soccer no and not just uh nothing but something doesn't come out like news of some kind doesn't come out so uh it's kind of hard to to take this season and say okay where do we start and so like for me i kind of was like well you kind of have to start with the teams and how every team started. And if you're going to do that, why not look at Atlanta? And the problem with that, uh, starting with Atlanta (laughs) is that, um, everyone starts with Atlanta and I'm tired of talking about Atlanta. So let's start with, uh, Minnesota. Yeah. Let's talk about Minnesota. Um, obviously they, they (laughs) drudgingly, "Ah, we got, we got to do it. No, no. I, I think that, for one of the like, I think Minnesota actually had one of the better arcs this season. Um, I think when we were looking at back at those first few games, we're like, "Oh, this is the worst MLS team of all time," and they're going to be not just bad, but historically bad. Um, and it turns out they didn't even finish in last place. Like they really kind of pulled something mm-hmm. together. Uh, okay, so here here's where here's where the Harrison Crow hat that wants to spoil uh, Ian's theories come in, right? Like, so from the run okay. of play in uh, even game states, they were not just the worst team in our data set, like, uh, and they were emphatically the worst team, but they were they were f- negative five goals worse than the 2013 December United or December United, DC United uh, team. And that team was epically bad, but, and I, I see what you're saying and, and you have, you have a reasonable, reasonable points there, but they also finished ahead of Colorado and LA. So, you know, right. I, I, I think the argument uh, to have there is not a Colorado. Pocket. Colorado. Not apocalyptically bad. <laughs> there were worse teams. <laughs> uh, I I think you can look at LA and on paper think, how were they this bad? Like, 
JDS, GDS, uh, and and putting those two aside, those two puzzle pieces are like uh, some sort of like neurotic. Um, what are those epic puzzles that that have like all these weird shaped edges and they're do you know what I'm talking about? The, those those puzzle games that have like all these really weird fine edges and it's impossible to kind of. It takes months and even uh, for some people like years to put the whole oh, picture yeah, together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what those are called because I would never buy one because I'm not patient enough. For that right. Kind of thing. Uh, okay. However, that's that's for me like that's the Dos Santos's and in a nutshell basically is that like you're always constantly trying to figure out how, how do they fit into this and and there's an argument to be had that if they don't fit in they just absolutely kind of create these um black holes of destruction and kind of ended up tearing the galaxy apart um and i think if it wasn't for uh Alessandrini, it, it very well could have been one of the worst seasons, but Alessandrini was so good. He, in fact, he was incredibly underrated because he was on such a bad team and a bad defensive team. It's strange to think about how, or I was thinking that Alessandrini would have been probably a runaway MVP on a good team. And it's weird that the team he was on that... It, that wasn't getting him enough attention was the Los Angeles Galaxy. <laughs> That's it's kind of an interesting, uh, kind of an interesting story. When but I, we're when you but, put but it we're, that way. we're skipping ahead. We're skipping ahead. We still have to discuss these loons. Yeah. So uh, the loons. Uh, they, they they were kind of interesting in the context of they had several different really good pieces that immediately hit the shelves, right? Like uh, Abu Dinaldi uh, uh, and then uh, Christian Ramirez both really didn't see immediate minutes. It was kind of an odd, like they started out slow, but they also didn't start. It seemed like they didn't start full strength. Ramirez, I think was involved a lot. Like he, he actually scored some early goals. Like he was their bright spot for a while, him and Molino. Um, I, well, and that's true to an extent, right? Like Ramirez found that after like a few games, like Ramirez found his starting time. But for them to even go the first three games of the season, I don't remember even who started for him. Uh, but it was really odd. I remember thinking this was really odd. Uh, yeah, for. yeah, that's right. He did come off the bench in that first game against Portland. Now that I'm thinking about it, that was weird. Um and, uh, yeah, he would go on to score 14 goals this year, which is a really very good return uh, in your first season of Major League Soccer. And I, I, I don't remember, honestly, what, they're, they're, uh, what they were doing instead. That's so funny. I'm going to see if I can click it up real quick. Um, but I, I think, and this is kind of funny, too, because I really put a lot of stock. Uh, honestly, I put a lot of stock on... Uh, and Adrian being able to craft both uh, Dinladi and then also uh, Ramirez into these uh, finely tuned attacking machines like he has, uh, like he kind of did with Kyle Laren and, and Laren's first year in, uh, of transition, what like what he's done with both, uh, I think it was uh, CJ Sapong that he's ha- also mentored, that he's also had Dom Dwyer. You know, uh, there's there's an argument that he's, a re- a quietly really good like 
attacking coach in the sense of, and I, I'm not trying, I'm trying, I keep using all these little wordisms, but what I'm basically trying to say is I think he's underrated on the attacking side. And I think on the defensive side, which obviously uh, was Minnesota's big uh, abscess was he's just terrible. And I think that that was what it was going back to Orlando. And I think uh, looking at how Minnesota constructed their team this year, it it was very much the same situation. There was definitely a, um, I mean, there were times, I mean, yeah, you're right. Like even when he was in Orlando, there were times where like the defending was just nightmarish and it was just like, what, what is happening right now? Like, how is this, how is this a professional soccer team? Um, and I, I honestly think he probably has better, at least a, a, a better piece to build around um, in, in Minnesota than he did in, in Orlando even. Uh, I think I think Calvo's a really solid uh, center back. And, and, and No, I agree with that. I think he's very good. And I, I think that it's kind of hard to judge him on that team right last season because it was such a weird outlier. And, like, so much around him was just constantly rotating. Um uh, it was it was Johan Venegas, by the way, started up top for uh, Minnesota those first few fixtures. The Costa Rican international, who uh, I believe didn't he score two against uh, against the United States in Costa Rica? Uh, he may have. I don't know off the top of my head. So he did that. That was the first match, starting a match two. That six one drubbing. Uh, Atlanta gave Ramirez was up top from the start and Venegas was kind of dropped more into a midfield role uh, where he played for a little bit and then eventually just kind of disappeared out of the side which it is what it is so so for me there's three kind of big points within the the Minnesota season the first one is of course the Sam Cronin uh, trade where they go and get Sam Cronin, they give up, um, and, and uh, forgive me, the name escapes me, uh, to Colorado. Uh, Josh they Gatt. Get, yeah, Josh Gatt, thank you. Um, they also, uh, there was one other that they got from Columbus that they sent over. Uh, uh, they got Rick- Finley, they got Mark Birch was actually another big signing for that, or part of that trade. Uh, right, uh, Finley being coming later, but uh, what was it, Mark Birch and Sam, Sam Cronin. Cronin. Yeah, for uh, um, Saeed and... Uh, there you, Saeed. That's who I was... That's Mohammed Saeed. That was who I was looking for. Um, that's kind of the, the first moment for me of the season. Like, they started off terrible. They had to make a very, uh, a very quick change. And I feel like that was kind of a successful maneuver. I, I know that... It, uh, among Colorado folks, it was a little unpopular, and I know among others, they feel uh, Sam Cronin's a little uh, overvalued. Um, mm-hmm. The idea of what he really provides, I think, is very specific relative to what he's paid. But I, on the other side of it, I think he's he's kind of exactly what they needed. Yeah, no, it was a very good. It, it was kind of a nice. Um, I I don't like to overvalue MLS experience. But I feel like he was sort of this guy that could come in and he knew what to expect. Like, he knew these teams. He knew these players he was playing against. And he brought some much, much needed stability into that 
so it wasn't all just this kind of brand new puzzle thrown out there. Uh, you know, they had someone that could kind of anchor that around a little bit. And also the other thing they didn't do a lot of in the early goings was play Ibsen, uh, who became a sort of mainstay in that kind of holding sure. role back there too. And I think he did fantastically well, uh, all things considered. And he was one of my favorite players this year to watch. It's a great passer. Mm-hmm. Very, just a good tackler. Just a very, very, um, very active player. I mean, even though he's on the older side, um, probably isn't someone that's going to, you know, be in their long-term plans. Uh, it really stood out. And again, it was kind of odd to me that he, I wonder if he was injured. I don't recall at the beginning of the season, but, but he was he was coming off the bench at first. So the second part of, for me, was basically they also started to move uh, Kevin Molino to the middle of the the central of the field. And I, I don't know if this was to give him more ball touches or, or, or what exactly the 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 tweak was I know that they also signed Sam Nicholson at the same time uh, from uh, the Scottish Premier League so there's kind of like you know all, there's a few different things going on right and that just it, it was atrocious um, Molino is not the same player for whatever reason um, inside than he is outside out wide uh, he's a mm-hmm. much more creative player it almost seems like he has too many options and he's he takes too much time on the ball. Um, that's just a theory. I don't know that that's a fact, but you can definitely see his expected assists, his expected goals all go down um, on those shifts. And I don't know if that's, you know, subject to some of the lineups uh, that are also being put out because, you know, they put out, I, I would guess they put out 34 different lineups this season. Like that <laughs> would be just my guess. Right? I, yeah, so, I don't know how to check that, but, but that sounds about right. They were they were they were they were a tinkering team. Asian Heath does tinker a bit with his lineups, um, but also they were forced to. I mean, through a lot of, of of just unfortunate stuff, there were like just little knocks here or there throughout the year. Um, you know, you lose your starting goalkeeper like in the second game. You know, for the season, that guy never comes back, and you take your captain, and he's just. I don't know. I don't. I assume he's not. He had to be good in the league. I think uh, Super League and wherever he was previously, you know, and just came here and it just nothing worked. Um, so I don't blame him for doing that and for trying. And I think that early on, I think the board and Heath kind of recognized that you know this probably wasn't going to be a year where they were going to see um, a ton of success, uh, you know, postseason wise and. I think it was a good opportunity them for them to try new things, and they certainly did. And uh, you know, you look at this team now, and I see really, I see a solid base now. They've they found a guy in Shuttleworth um, who's not gonna win any Best Goalkeeper of the Year awards, certainly, but he's solid. Um, you know, we talked about Calvo, uh, Ibsen. You got guys like Don Lottie, Ramirez, Molino. Um, there's stuff there's there's stuff to work with here in next well, season and then and going forward. Of course the the last part of that uh of that I don't want culmination uh, of the roster is Ethan Finley. Ethan Finley looked yeah. really good in his time with uh with Minnesota and and Finley kind of looked to have been buried um slowly in Columbus. Like he just worked his way to the bench and then from the bench out of the 18 and it just it didn't look like Finley was really going 
anywhere. He went from being someone that a lot of people thought could end up being um, one of those uh, B-plus type characters for the U.S. men's national team. And no disrespect to that. I think that that's – I don't think he was ever going to become a bombing winger for the U.S. men's national team. But I definitely think that he could have been somebody uh, that was a good backup slash, you know, Gold Cup caliber um player mm-hmm. and from there he he's not even an effectual mls player anymore and so i think that it's kind of interesting um he goes to minnesota and kind of you know throws three goals up throws two assists in 11 games and you know um he's kind of an interesting player again uh, and i kind of wonder how how it'll look next year with all those pieces that you mentioned um if they continue to move forward like this, they're, they're, they're adding these smart pieces. I feel like Miguel Ibarra, it, they've got to move him this off season. And so that'll be an interesting story. I think, I think they've made it clear just through their acquisitions, which are a number of, of wingers, um, that he's not their guy going forward. Um, I don't necessarily get it. I mean, I, I, he's a player I like and he's a player I, I think, has talent and I think that talent might just be better suited on a different team and maybe that the, that's kind of everyone's thinking uh, in Minnesota is that like this is a valuable piece that will be interesting to another team that we could use to address a position where we have more need uh, like a cam or something along those lines yeah no um, getting to Atlanta on the other side of the coin from the loons um atlanta had a obviously a really successful season and you know that's been well yeah. documented and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, i think the the big um rub out of this right now is them transitioning um really over the next three years they're going to have less money than what they probably had to begin with although with all the tam injections um yeah, what it's right. been for all the expansion teams previously is that every year after that expansion year, they have less money. So it's them having to kind of learn how to come from out of the gate to sustaining their roster, which has been kind of why some teams came out of the gate slow, right? Rather than just jabbing, they, they kind of amped up their roster and grew into what was, you know kind of this even keeled uh financial situation whereas atlanta just is coming out right out of the gate and they're kind of being helped out because mls is throwing all this extra money out so they can kind of afford to not necessarily kind of play conservatively yeah i feel like like atlanta minnesota like went into a room and just like okay you go this way i'm gonna go the other way and this is kind of what we ended up with because <laughs> right. she's just like very different approaches to like starting a franchise and it's cool. And Atlanta took advantage of a very good opportunity. Like, I don't think you could have had this Atlanta team um, or even the whatever would be equal to players at that time, you know, four or five years ago if they started. Um, there just wasn't, like, that kind of fervor for it. And here, like, they, they saw a great opportunity to go out and just make waves immediately. And, and gosh, they sure did. No, yeah, and absolutely, and you know it'll be. I'm really interested to see um, Joseph uh, Martinez go forward. I, I think that there's a really interesting story when it comes to him and his scoring ability uh, going forward. Obviously, you know, uh, from an analytical perspective and the data perspective, there's something to be said 
for um, how he's been able to create the, the opportunities that he has and whether or not that that'll continue to exist. I have a feeling that he'll continue to be a very good player, um, even uh, MVP caliber. I don't think that he's... I think the disparity between what the data says and what he's producing is going to is going to shrink, and I think eventually there's going to be an understanding between the data and between the type of player that he is that it it, it kind of comes in harmon- harmoniously. I think because we got so few games, um, it's hard for the data to really say 100% this is the type of player he is, and I think that the more data that we gather on him i think the more it's going to show um he's exactly the player that we think he is and that he's an elite scorer uh I, was there anybody i can't imagine there was that that overperformed their xg more than than martinez um i can look that up i i honestly can't imagine that, that it is no like uh so i'll look that up but i mean there's Aside from Atlanta being the storyline, the idea that Toronto FC went and made the team that they did um, kind of blows everything out of the water as far and puts everything kind of second place, right? Oh, for this season, definitely. I mean, this that was that was the team. <clears throat> they uh, they were. I know discussion best side in MLS history. I I. I, I, I don't feel like I can weigh in there and give it, like, any kind of actual uh, proper um, argument just because the league changes so much within three years' time, and it, and it has for a while now. Um, but certainly, uh, of this, if this is a new MLS era this year with the new teams, then, then Toronto are still uh, the flagship team and, and early favorites uh, for next season. Yeah, I, look, the whole uh, best team ever um, is a really tough debate. I think deepest team ever is, is certainly something that uh, could could definitely be articulated um, and argued. Uh, the most dominant team ever, they certainly weren't. Um, I, I think looking through uh, the data that we have available, we can see that teams dominated better, right? Like there are teams that were just flat out they were they were better versions they they were more dominant and how they went about closing out teams from the run of play um you know that doesn't take away from what you know what toronto did in 2017 um la galaxy 2013 uh was put up 10 expected goals above uh they were plus 10 in their expected goal differential, which is the highest by a considerable margin. FC Dallas uh, 2011 was uh, seven. Uh, that would, that they're, they're number two. LA Galaxy 2014 was 7-2-4. I mean, so it, very specifically, and, and actually if you look at uh, what Sporting Kansas City did defensively, they actually ended up on this, uh, on in the top five, of best teams with the highest expected goal differential. Oh, really? Wow. Um, Well, I mean, their their defensive acumen in last year was amazing. I mean, it flat out, it was. It's true. Uh, So, and again, this is from uh, even game states only. So, I mean, we're talking about kind of a sample size. Uh, It's over 34 games, which is why, you know, it's okay to kind of talk about it and, 
um, I think in smaller game states or excuse me, uh, smaller data sizes, we're, we're specifically talking about whether or not that continues versus um, just what they're managed to achieve. I, I think that's right. kind of important to delineate. But uh, looking at, uh, you had asked who kind of overplayed the top three are Ignacio Piatti, uh, Diego Valeri, uh, Valeri, and then uh, Joseph Martinez, one, two, and three, oh, wow. as far as who uh, outperformed their expected goals. Uh, really? Piotti, I would not have thought Piotti would be up there at the top. That's yeah, interesting. Yeah, almost eight expected goals over, or excuse me, goals over is expected. And then uh, Diego Valeri uh, had 13.5 expected goals, scored 21. And then, of course, Joseph Martinez with 19 goals, expected goals, 12.5. So, And that's good news for Atlanta fans. I mean, like you, you want to see um, those numbers being close together suggests a, a higher chance of repeatability. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. so, yeah, I, I, it's going to be an interesting uh, – Gosh, it's going to be so interesting to see if he can stay healthy next year, and if if he sticks well, around he beyond that. Yeah, if he can't, that just changes the paradigm and the and the story um, going forward, uh, which is going to be even uh, more interesting to me to watch. So, the the for me, the team that's kind of the best team of all time uh, that they won't get this title because a how they played in MLS Cup, and b because um, they didn't win supporter shield. They kind of, they, they play second, but the best version of the Seattle Sounders was in the last eight seasons has been this iteration of the Seattle Sounders. I mean, they were, they were amazing. And, and you know, I know that's easy for me to say as a Sounders fan. And, you know, I, I hate, I don't like coming on here and like wearing that hat, but what they did, um, was very impressive uh, during the regular season. Um, it, it truly was. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, the, I think you have to look at them kind of also doing this mainly in a much weaker Western Conference than we're used to seeing. Um, that's fair enough. I think that's part of maybe what makes Toronto so... Uh, you know, have a little bit better not for me at that. I mean, and just like looking at, I mean, they finished with like, I, I don't have the X goal differential on them, but they finished, I think, 12, 11. Uh, Seattle did, which was, you know, tied for best in the West. Um, but, you know, Toronto, like, the, the 34 goal differential, I mean, that's, that's really solid. <laughs> that's No, no, uh, absolutely. Like, uh, as far as, you know, the numbers go, uh, we like to look at underlying numbers because it gives us inherent, uh, you know, insight into the, the team and how it functioned. Yeah. There is something absolutely to say, uh, with how they just kind of blew the doors off in certain situations and were like deuces. Yeah. So, So, uh, you don't want to undercut that. Uh, that being said, I thought Seattle, uh, had a really underrated season. Uh, I know we didn't have our post uh, MLS Cup conversation. Yes, we did not. But I, I was, I personally, I was very disappointed. Like I was, like Toronto absolutely came in, uh, was effective in the majority of everything that they did. 
And it was just a really disappointing game from a Seattle perspective and probably from a neutral's perspective as well. Because I think the the anticipation was that Seattle was finally going to bring something to this. Right? Yeah. I mean, Seattle just got mauled. There was no, there was no point in that game where uh, Seattle looked to be even in contention for it. I mean, it was it was pretty obvious, like, four or five minutes in, how this was going to go down. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it was just one of those situations where you had Toronto's best players having one of the best games of their life, and you had Seattle's best players having one of the worst games of their life. And those two kind of things intersecting made for a, uh, I think, fair, but... Um, Ultimately, a uh, disappointing final, as we so often see um, in, in large-stakes games like that. Um, it, it, does it, it make the Seattle Sounders season bad? No, of course not. I mean, someone had to come out of that Western Conference, and for two years in a row, it was them. Uh, they finished equal on points in the standings in the West Conference. Portland had, uh, an, I think, the edge on wins as the first tiebreaker Um so, but Seattle, I guess, technically won the Western Conference. Is that even a thing that's an award? I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen a. No, Portland won the won the Western Conference. They gave Portland the Western Conference. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, it, it, yeah, all by all means, a, a very successful season. I think that that early part of it kind of sours it a little bit. Uh, for me, thinking back on to like. They certainly came alive like they did last year in the latter months, but for uh, several months there at the beginning, it was it was not looking too hot in Seattle. No, you know, I, for me, I was okay with it. I knew it was kind of happening. And I, I, I'm sorry. I, I was pretty much gut-wrenched by that last. And, and I kind of was disappointed in a way to not have a Portland-Seattle conference final, I, especially now that Caleb Porter's gone. I felt there's a part of me that feels like that would have been a little bit special, just regardless of who came out of it. Um, I feel like it would have been knowing now that it was his last, you know, run with Portland. It, it I feel like it would have been kind of, I, I, I don't want to misuse or reuse or tarnish special. Uh, but I think it would have been something that would have been memorable. Um, very much like how it was a couple years ago um, when Seattle and Portland met the first time in the playoffs. And, you know, Portland just was the better team. They flat out were the better team. Mm -hmm. I I feel like this would have been a really, really good, although, you know, Portland being kind of banged up, maybe that's for the best that, you know, they didn't, they didn't play because I feel like it would have kind of, uh, it would have portrayed Portland as a weaker side than what they really are. That Portland had a really had a really good season. Let's let's just lay it on out there. I, they had a really tough start, um, and they got back in it. Um, you know, the underlying numbers from the start kind of had them as a better team. We kind of knew that there was going to be a bounce of sorts. Um, we didn't we can't guess that Fernando Adi is just going to go completely missing, uh, and MIA. And you know to whatever reason uh the the story still out of portland is that he's expected to be back next year i i don't believe that for a second um do you do you believe the the tweets from paulson that that he'll be back <laughs> i don't I, I don't know i it seems like it, with injury reporting these days i mean i guess 
he could have just never gotten better. I, it was never reported as, oh my gosh, Artie has had a catastrophic injury. Um, but he just sort of picked up a knock and then just never showed up again. And, you know, that does make one suspicious. But uh, with Porter gone, I mean, I, I don't really know what his relationship was with Paulson or, um, you know, the, the, the GM there. And I, it, if it could be that, that, that this was part of the thing that they said was going to happen or that like, hey, now that he's gone, you know, we're going to make some changes. Maybe it'll benefit you. Um, but either way, I, I think that despite missing Audi for as long as they did, um, that was almost entirely replaced by a very special season from Diego Valeri, which I don't think anybody would have predicted either. I, I think we all know what a great player he is, but those were some eye-popping numbers he put up. No, and, and uh, you know, so it, we've covered this on the past podcast mm-hmm. where I kind of poo-pooed, like, you know, his assists and stuff. Um, taking <laughs> that away, you know, uh, and, and taking away my objection towards that, he did put up some amazing stats. And not just that, but he had kind of a Michael Jordan-esque season to where he put just everything we always you know symbolize put, putting a team on your back because it kind of seems like michael jordan didn't have a huge cast at times uh you know he had scotty pippen but you know besides that it seems you you kind of forget everybody that he had you know alongside uh alongside him but diego valeri just kind of became superhuman in his role and so in a way i'm a little bit uh, I'm a little bit bummed out that we didn't get to see a, t- a guy like Diego Valeri that was just in the form. And that just goes back to Seattle having the season that they had, especially defensively. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It, or even to see uh, them to go up against Kansas City. That would have been another fun. Um, Kansas City was defensive, you know, Matt Beasler and Aikopara versus uh, Diego Valeri. Um I feel like that would have been a really fun standoff, especially considering um, I think Ikopara and Matt Beasler's talents um, are very much in tune with uh, how Diego Valeri likes to attack. I feel like it could have been been a very um, it would have been a very fun. Um, this is what I do best versus this is what you do best. Um, two games off, and I would have liked to have seen that. Agreed. All right, let's let's stay in the Pacific Northwest and talk about the third Pacific Northwest team. The Vancouver Whitecaps had a very strange season. Yeah, really weird season. Um, looking at the standings now, I still surprised. Like they were one point off uh, winning the West outright, or two points off winning the West outright. Uh, finished with 52 points behind Portland and Seattle. Each had 53. Um, and they did it with a goal differential of zero. Goal differential's a lie, man. I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, to a degree it is, yes. But it's it's definitely a little bit odd to see a team finish that high. And I feel like through stretches of this season, um, they just weren't on anybody's radar at all. And for like a few weeks there towards the end of the year, they just came roaring into life. And, and, and all of a sudden we're just running up the standings. And at one point we're, we're out in front. Um, what is, what, 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 how do you rate this season for Vancouver? Do you think that they did 
this is what should be expected as finishing in that third spot, or, or did they kind of like exceed people's expectations? Oh, I think they definitely, I mean, they exceeded my expectations as far as like, look, I, I, I thought they were going to be a decent team. Um, but decent being that, you know, they'd be about, they ended up about where I expected them. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, that being said, uh, I, I think that there's, yeah, expected goal differential had them in even game states at, at the negative. Um, so I, I think that that, they they their defense really helped them out right like tim parker kendall waston both had really phenomenal years and mm -hmm. it, it, we always point to kendall waston um i feel like tim parker kind of gets lost as an american uh in vancouver um he's very good yeah. i think he he's he's kind of uh, a bit matt beaslerish uh in, mm -hmm. in what he does he's a he's a pretty good passer um he's doesn't turn the ball over uh he's very accurate in what he does. Um, Absolutely, yeah. that seems that, that seems like a kind of a passe type thing to say like, Oh, he's very accurate. And what he, like he doesn't, he goes into everything measured. He doesn't come off with bad. He doesn't come off with a lot of bad fouls. He doesn't come off with st stupid things. He, he does. He doesn't, he doesn't give away unnecessary field position, which is a really under, rated Absolutely. uh defensive yeah. uh yeah talent there, there's so many different things i mean i talked about this uh going into mls cup uh that i didn't think that you know i thought seattle was going to be very smart with their fouls they wouldn't give you and immediately like uh, going into mls cup there was like three or four different situations that i was just like what are you doing are you kidding me yeah don't um, do that but take that to tim parker and i think that he's consistently very uh very stable and very um very smart with what he does he's very balanced and uh, uh i like I, to call I personally yeah. think he's one of the better ones out i there. like i like to call players like that and this is something i value a lot sort of actually, he's exceedingly competent um he's just very, no yeah he's just very good at being good at what he does and and that is a very undervalued trait and um <clears throat> one that uh I think all managers should look to for someone to be kind of in that uh, that defensive role. So they they call that awareness, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think that's what we're dancing around. He's got a high soccer <laughs> IQ. He's got a high soccer IQ. Is what it would say uh, in the press release of him getting signed by. <laughs> well, I you know it's funny. Um, I really thought. Uh, towards the end of the season, who they really missed the most was a guy that they let go, uh, Pedro Morales. Mm -hmm. um, I really. Th felt they were, they were missing him in a lot of different ways. I think I feel like towards the end of the season, they tried to, especially in the last two games with Seattle, they tried to kind of fix that with uh, making that those last-minute starts by, uh, and I, the name escapes me. There is an individual they signed right there at the last the last bit. You know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, um, yeah. I, I, I'm blanking, too. Oh, that's a bummer. Um, yeah, no, they there were but, some odd choices uh, of lineup in there. I mean, they had... Uh, Bernie um, Avini uh, was kind of an addition they made. They also had the Egyptian guy, and yeah, I'm. I you know what the best thing that uh, that in my opinion for their season was for Laba to get injured, and I hate saying that because you know you don't want anybody to be injured. That sounds really bad, you know. Uh, that being said, uh, it. 
as soon as he kind of went off the field, um, Vancouver was kind of able to start uh, Gazeel, and everything started just. It seemed a little bit more organized. Their def- their defense has a, had a little bit more structure. Um, I had I would should uh, go back and run the dates from uh, before uh, Laba's injury and then after and look at their uh, expected goals against. Yeah, I haven't done that. That would be uh, something I should do uh, before making such a claim. But it, realistically, uh, Laba. I'm not surprised that he's somebody that they're obviously uh, trying to move right now. I think that uh, I think he hasn't progressed in the last couple of years like they thought. I th- think when they got him from Toronto, uh, he was somebody that they thought was going to kind of grow into an Aussie Alonzo type role with you know cursory. Uh, this sounds bad. Soccer skills, um, of course. I'm referring soccer skills being like passing and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, kind of more develop on the ball skills rather than just the the pure uh, tenacity and being able to make uh, really strong tackles and and run folks down you know obviously he was very smart about his positioning but I think there was more to it that they expected him to grow into and I don't think he has and I think that that hurt them a lot this season and I think that it was big that you know and it says a lot about uh, Tim Parker and Kendall Austin and, and really um Jordan Harvey is a really interesting loss that uh, is going to – I'm kind of going to be interested to see where that goes going forward because uh, I thought he was very good. I thought he was underrated for what he provided uh, Vancouver on the flanks. So uh, very kind of excited almost to see how he does in L.A. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, Vancouver looking to next season. We've had – well, two big transactions. Uh, one is that one that we I think we all saw coming for a while. David Usted will no longer be uh, the man between the sticks there. Uh, they seem to uh, have fully transitioned in, in that thing. And I, I get that. That makes sense. As good as Usted has been, and at times he's been fantastic and one of the best keepers in the league. Um, you know, he was kind of on a salary that you really have to be someone that's consistently – winning you points uh, to, to be kind of like at that number. And I think that, that uh, Vancouver decided that they could probably better spend that resource elsewhere. And one of the places they've spent it is bringing in Kai Kamara, which should be a very interesting match for their system. Uh, suddenly, uh, we've got the king of aerial duels uh, north of the border. Uh, how do you see that yeah, kind of playing out? absolutely. I think it's kind of interesting because they're doing that, but yet uh, their flanks uh, or their wing players, uh, they they do cross a little bit, but uh, they're not very good. Um, At least looking at uh, historically, like uh, the worst, and just looking at expected passing, the worst passer from uh, in the attacking third uh, was Russell Tiber last year. It really wasn't (laughs) close. Um, Yeah. It, it, not even just like low percentage uh, chances and then um, not even succeeding in those low percentage chances. In fact, coming under it, like I think his average was like 49% uh, expected success. And like he can't, we came in like at 45. <laughs> like, so like even, I mean, you're, you're not giving a lot of, a lot of support or you're not, you're, you're basically just 
turning the ball over at that with, point with your passes. Yeah, yeah I, you're you're hurting your team, especially as a as a um, attacking uh, counter attacking club, right? Um, you need to, especially from the outside, those passes are even more important. Like I get it, sixty nine percent, sixty seven percent. That's kind of the average, roughly of what you're looking at for those type of, because I mean, they are, they're private providing, you know, um, really difficult passes going forward. And, you know, the reality is, is with difficult passes and passes with low probability, the majority of the time they probably don't turn out, you know, you're, we're talking about a two and three, one and three type chance. That being said, uh, the difference makers like Darlington Nagby, like Ladero, um, who are kind of Tybert's, you know, awkward peers. Um, yeah, th- they are. They are successfully making those right. passes, and they are launching. And let's not forget, you know, Seattle and Portland both have toyed with counterattacking this season, um, and both did it more successfully in the short term than uh, you know Vancouver has. So this is true. This is true. I I'm very interested to see. Because that, I mean, they're basically going to have to change the paradigm of how they create shots if they're going to use Kai Kamara as kind of a target forward type. Um, and there's really not another way to use him. No, I don't see it. Yeah. Maybe. Um, maybe, maybe off the bench. Well, like I kind of in a super sub type role. I, mean, I don't think you. I don't think you go and fill one of your DP slots with that. I, I just don't. Unless you're a team, unless you're a team that's you know okay with cutting costs, I mean, you're basically saying okay, instead of paying this much out of pocket for Fred- Freddie Montero, I'm going to pay a smaller amount out of pocket for Kai Kamara. Right. Well, I mean that- that's that's what that that that's what that's being said to me. I don't expect Montero to be back next year, which you know uh, kind of makes me sad. But yeah, I, I think that that doesn't look very promising uh, either. And you know he did. He did a decent job in his season there, but um, ultimately, I think that that that, that uh, Montero's future uh, probably lies uh, elsewhere. All right, let's talk about some more of these teams. We got a lot more to talk about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got. And we're we're, we're moving through these very in. slowly, so let's um, let's. Let, let's let's go down to Texas. Uh, let's, let's go down let's Texas do the, and hit those, do... hit those teams real quick. Houston, yeah, Houston, good. Dallas, not so good. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's what's crazy about bad, uh, Dallas is they just kind of dis- destruct themselves, self destroyed. Like it, it was kind of like Death Star esque, right? Like yeah. Not to not to bring up Star Wars because that's kind of a sore subject around you know. Uh, most nerds right now uh, it's but they kind of folded in on themselves like the underlying numbers still say that they were a very good team yeah a very just, good team like I, i'm wringing my hands right now ian yeah they I, I don't i they i don't uh, understand i their collapse is shocking to me still looking back at it and i know that they didn't they didn't they didn't hit 100 percent in the transfer market obviously um there were some missteps there, but this team should not have been finishing where they did. They should not have missed the playoffs. And if you had told no. me that in, you know, June that oh yeah, no, FC Dallas actually isn't even gonna make the playoffs, I would have laughed at you. I would have I would have thought you a crazy person. Um 
Well, not just that, but uh, hey, here's here's another one up for you. Uh, on the last day of the season, San Jose is going to jump Dallas. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, I spent a lot of time down in San Jose just for work this year. Yeah. Um, I, I caught more than uh, – I caught about a half a dozen Earthquake games really enjoyed their their atmosphere but uh, let me tell you uh, their the changes that they made improved the organization improved the team as a whole but they weren't good i mean they weren't um they had some really interesting pieces some really positive steps moving forward they're going to be a much better team this year i think uh, already um i feel like next year could be a step back for them like, I wouldn't be shocked if next year they... I mean, obviously, we don't have a complete team, but just kind of, like, looking in my crystal ball, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they came in seventh next year and just missed the playoffs and were probably a better team. Well, I mean, they, they, I are they the worst team to ever make the playoffs? They, they might be. I, I feel like they were the second. I, I did... I did look at that. I feel like they're the second. Okay. They're the second worst. I don't remember who I said. And looking back, like 2011, 2012, there were some bad teams that made the playoffs too. Yeah, yeah, so. no doubt, no doubt. And I know you don't like GD, but, but you know, you're talking about a team that made the playoffs with a negative 21 goal differential this year. That's unusual. Uh, I think we can say no it absolutely is they weren't a good team I mean even the underlying numbers tell us they weren't a good team so, they were in the negative for their goal differential expected goal differential too so I mean you know uh, it wasn't as as vast you know obviously and I want to I want to be clear and I, I I harbor no ill will towards San Jose for making the playoffs uh with a negative 21 goal differential uh in the end it's the points that they on the board that matter and, the, and they got it done somehow uh, there are a lot of. I, I I kind of have some some hope for San Jose. I feel like there were moments last season where you saw them be like a very fluid team, and it was interesting. And I, I still one of my favorite players and favorite signings uh, from last year, uh, Jungwirth, is um, going to be like a great piece that they can kind Jungwirth of. Jungwirth was a yeah, uh, just a fantastic player very that they can good. kind of build around there. Uh, we only saw Vako you know, and kind of flashes. He was sort of, um, I, I don't know if he ever was just like fully 100% match fit for them, um, but but he showed the ability to, to, to get the ball in the goal and to create things around the box. Um, on the other hand, you know, they lost Urena, who was a guy I thought that would see some improvements. Um, and I don't, I, Jimmy Heike kind of uh, faded for me, uh, though he started strong. Uh, same with Godoy. Um and so there's definitely stuff to figure out in that midfield. Uh, and, and, and you know, you're only going to be able to kind of rely on Wando for, what, another 20 years? So <laughs> I, I, I said something controversial, and I'll just go ahead and say it. I think that I think they need to move him. I think that a team would be really smart to go get him to be their guy off the bench, uh, their, the next Alan Gordon-esque type player. All right, so Colorado, I, you're on the I, clock. No, like you say that, but like honestly, like sporting or uh, a team that's probably not going, a team like Minnesota or a team that's looking for 
that one piece, and, and I don't know if Minnesota is probably a bad call. The team that I really, really, and I saw thought this last year, and I really wish they would have pulled the trigger. I think it would have changed their season in a dramatic way. But Dallas going to get Wondolowski. Yeah, like, I, we've, I, I know we've that talked sounds, about this before I, in our alternate MLS land talks. Yes, this is true. That would have been good. I, I really, oh man, dude, he just, he's, he's a Maxi Yerudi, uh, he's the better version of him. Mm-hmm. He's the more expensive, he's the Lamborghini that's uh, just, like, it's not worth really paying him what he does, but what he does is consistent, like, it's consistently good, like, it's, like, consistently awesome. Yeah, you're overpaying for it, but it's still really cool just to say you own Wondolowski, right? Well, like, and FC Dallas is underpaying for so much else that the, if, if, they're a team that could afford something like that. It wouldn't make me go, huh. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that there's no chance that he moves from San Jose uh, this year or this offseason. Oh, no. And, and, and he's not going to. He has too many community routes. The, it, they'd be foolish to move him. They're, they don't need a spot. They can buy him down with Tam. Yeah. He's not going anywhere, right? Uh, the thing is, he's getting less and less mobile. Mm-hmm. He's... And he's a, he's an incredibly fit guy. Um, yeah, he works hard. Don't, don't don't mistake me, but he he's getting older. And look, the realization um, as I pulled my back out uh, two weeks ago <laughs> um, at you know at 34. Look, things things. I'm not as spry as I once was, uh, Ian. I'm I'm finding out there it's, is a death. There is an end to this. It is. And uh, you know, I, I think it's uh, Matt Doyle that always, you know, says that uh, death is undefeated uh, or what is it? Retirement is undefeated or something to that effect. Yeah. I don't think it's quite. He doesn't. Uh, he doesn't. Uh, I don't remember that being prepos- that, Yeah, that morbid. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, that dark. But, yeah, you know, it, it's it, <laughs> it's uh, father time. That's what it is. Father, father time, time is undefeated. Always, um, always. Which is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and look, um, if you're San Jose, who's still obviously trying to. Uh, trying to inject young talent into that team it seems like trying to inject young talent into that team it seems like it would make uh, for americans for whatever reason um why teams keep throwing this tam out for uh and, and don't mistake me i don't think it's necessarily bad i would like to see san jose reload with some younger talent and use uh Wondolowski to do it i think that would be a a great um storyline in 15 years but yeah when they when, <laughs> when we start to see Wondolowski slow down Sometime around 2035. Yeah. Uh, so talking about teams that um, are reloading, we, we said Houston good. Um, Houston really did a great job. They nailed everything that they needed to. And they got a, they got lucky in other things. I, I think this was kind of... Um, uh, Vilmer Cambera said that uh, he felt like they were playing with house money there in the Eastern Con- or Western Conference Finals. And I really think they were, but at the same time, um, they were still really good, and, and I think that there was a lot to appreciate from that team. I think they have a lot of work to do this off season to mm-hmm. to keep up with the rest of the Western Conference. But what Houston's relevant again, and that's not something you could have said going into last year. I think there's one thing they missed on, um, and they missed kind of badly with it, and that was Tomas. Uh, I think that. That piece, had it been a much better piece uh, or gotten up to speed a lot quicker, could have made them uh, more competitive against Seattle. 
uh, in those last games. But um, you know, they, that's still that's a work in progress. So it's really hard just to, to, to judge it right now. But um, you know, looking for like, what are you going to do with Kulo Torres? Like, this is guy. This guy has either got to move, and I think that's ultimately what they will want to do with him is, is move him, uh, or he's got to become a player that is worth that slot, that is worth benching Manutas in favor of. And right now, I don't think he's that. Um, aside from that, Elise was a wonderful addition, one of the best signings of the year. Uh, they locked him down, which I think had to be their number one objective in the off season, and they've gotten that taken care of already, which is wonderful. Um, and I don't see this being a 2016 kind of rapid situation where they just fall right back down the table. I think that there's enough talent there, and I think that Cabrera has enough of a plan uh, that, that they're gonna they are going to stay relevant. No, and I think uh, you nailed it with uh, just to kind of harp on Cubo Torres. Just uh, and I don't want to kick the guy. It, he's not worth the DP slot. And that's just, you know, that is what it is. Um, that was an ownership move that was, um, that's never really invested in them. And, you know, um, there's probably some better ways uh, to utilize him, especially late in the game. Uh, he's a really good free kick, kick taker. Um, maybe it's, I don't know if it's more advantageous to use him versus Alex. I haven't done those studies. I'm sure, you know, we know that we know the guys there in their front office that have done those studies. So I'm sure they're, they're making the most out of what they can. But um, I think that they're going to have to figure out how to make Kubo Torres work in the most productive way, rather than sitting and hoping that they, they get either some Liga MX team or some, um, and just to be quite honest, some dumb LA team uh, to pay money for him. <laughs> well, hey, look, no, it's, you know it is yeah, what it is. Uh, this, yeah, gosh, we still had Chivas. Um, well, I think, and to be perfectly honest, I wouldn't put it past LAFC to make that type of move. Yeah, yeah. Um, or I, I feel like they could they could pay down his his transfer fees, you know, and do what they needed to absorb some things, make him uh, of maybe not a dp but you know make him a tam player and still keep him involved but there's just there's already you know room that's kind of going away right now at those spots so i don't know how they make it fit but that's that's all i see for an mls i don't see a lot of teams coming to houston's rescue with this i don't see a liga mx team right now um and and forgive me i don't know liga mx really well so maybe that's that's erroneous to to state but i don't see any rumors I don't see any anybody from Tom Marshall or anybody even stating the interest right now. So uh, right now, Houston has to figure out a way to gain value from him. Yeah, And yeah, I, I think that uh, Mario uh, Minutos is just, uh, I think they're shocked with how good he's become. He's, and I think that yeah, that yeah. him becoming as good as what he's become wasn't in the plans, and so now they have one of those really uh, fun yet terrible scenarios where you have an overpriced talent and an underpriced talent. Like, and how do you make them work because they play the same positions? Yeah, I I think, and I, I don't think Minotas is the finished article yet either i think that you know at at times he uh can be kind of um absent from games when when he needs to be and uh, or when he needs when he needs not to be rather but i think what he needs more than anything is that nod i think he needs that 
that backing that, hey, you are our guy. You're our number nine. You are the guy that's going to be our striker instead of uh, we're going to kind of maybe use you to push Torres a little bit. But then I don't know. We we do. We should get Torres in there some, too. And um, I think that kind of backing and that sort of like assertion from Cabrera, I, I think. You know, I, I don't know the man personally at all, but I, I just based on the way I've seen him kind of work the lineups, I, I, I would think that that has to be the way the front office wants to go is to to make this uh, a Monotas kind of led attack uh, with him and Lease next year. And if they don't, then I don't think that they're very good at their jobs. And, and you know, if anything, this last season of Toss is that they, they might actually be. No, and I agreed. Agreed on all accounts. Um, looking over, you know, we've we kind of touched on San Jose. Uh, we touched on LA Galaxy already. Uh, Alessandrini. That's I, I don't have very much to say besides that, and that their defense was terrible. I I think um, it's worth noting that it the Los Angeles Galaxy were spectacularly bad, and I never thought I would say those words about a season, maybe over a course of a match and be like, wow, the LA galaxy were unusually bad that match. But I made a joke at the beginning of the year in my preseason predictions, I said something to the think of like, Oh, you know, in MLS, it's really hard to predict who the worst team is going to be. It really could be anybody. Cause this is MLS, you know, that old tired, Hey, crazy MLS thing. I said, wouldn't it be hilarious if we're the Los Angeles galaxy? Because that was such a unrealistic proposition to me. And yet, this is what happened. And I have to say that I think there were some poor personnel decisions made, um, obviously. Uh, but there had to be something else going on behind the scenes there. Because although that wasn't a top five MLS team talent-wise... They sure were not the worst team talent-wise, and a long way from it. No, I yeah, there there's definitely something that needs to happen within that organization, yeah. and not even uh, talking about the on the field product. Um, uh, Siggy Schmidt, uh, I have a lot of respect for what he did in Seattle. Um, I don't know if he's really the guy. Like for me, I'm having a lot of hard times. I think it's really telling when you know. Obviously, he has a lot. He has a relationship with uh, Ante uh, Rezov that goes and leaves LA after he's, you know, been um, appointed head coach for next season, and he goes to LAFC and jumps ship. Um, I, I think that's really that's a quiet indicator that maybe Siggy doesn't have this team, uh, and maybe uh, maybe the rest of this coaching staff needs to have a backup plan. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like with Siggy, you're getting a sort of Bruce Arena-like figure, um, and I, I say that you know more based. Well, that's on. exactly that's exactly what they wanted. That's exactly yeah. what they why they got him. Right. Yeah, I think you kind of get because he's the guy you get if you can't get Bruce Arena. If that's the guy you want, and <clears throat> I don't mean to disrespect any of Siggy's accomplishments and you know his MLS career, of which there are many, and and he's a fantastic coach and. Uh, where I LA in last year's situation and having him available, I, I he would have been one of my top picks to come in and just at least try to write this ship somehow for this year. Um, I wasn't sure if they were going to give him the the nod long term 
Uh, and I, I, it seems like that might be the direction they're going. And, and if so, um, I don't blame them for that either because they have had a lot of success in the past with a figure like that. So I, I can kind of see the rationale behind it. Uh, my worry for them is just that it won't be the same and they can't go back. Rather than try to evolve and become a different kind of organization, they can't try to roll back and just be the same kind of organization, but, you know, good. <laughs> like they were in the past. I guess that would be my, my take on them. No, there, 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 there will never be going back to what was yeah. for this LA. Team. Well, and like I, I don't think that that formula for success isn't going to be a successful formula going forward in MLS. I don't think, or as successful, they're not going to be able to dominate the league with three DPS. That's just not going to be how how this kind of works out anymore. And um, so they have a lot of decisions to make, and I, I don't know, like Klein staying on and. Uh, you know, we they've been a little bit quiet this off season uh, so far. You know, there's still lots, obviously, of that to go. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't expect them to finish last place again. But I also, barring some really bizarre um, and amazing transactions in their future, um, I, I don't see them, you know, vying for the the cup again next season either. So uh, you kind of mocked them a little bit um colorado uh who look we we kind of said going into the season like i was not surprised like i i i proclaim very loudly that colorado was not going to be good this Mm -hmm. year and um i didn't think they were going to be this bad look their expected goals for uh weren't really like on an individual game weren't really as they were on par with what they were last year yeah what was terrible was their defense. Their defense just – it was the worst in all of MLS, and I don't think anyone expected that. Like, uh, I, I think you could – last year their defense was the best. They had the, the best expected goals against uh, in MLS. And my theory uh, was that def- defensively and tactically they were giving up uh, certain spaces, and I thought that – teams would continue would start to expose that uh tactically and i was really interested to see where axel sorberg was at the end of this year uh not necessarily where he was but like uh, what we thought of him at the end of this year um and him and jared watts who had such a great 2016 together were basically dismantled and they were just using spare parts by the end of the year due to injuries and i think that has a lot to do with um where they're at um and the season they had, I think that that all kind of uh, that all kind of points back to what happened. Then you had the uh, Bismarck uh, and uh, uh, Boateng. What's yeah. The, 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 yeah, Boateng. That uh, I mean, man, he comes in uh, young, really promising uh, central defensive midfielder. They go ahead and trade Sam Cronin so that they can kind of give him more minutes, and he goes ahead and I think he breaks he he break broke something or pulled something in his back yeah and then um, I don't remember the details he just ended ended up being injured yeah and like another thing that was kind of different was like where was Gashi like at all this season I I don't I assume he was hurt yeah. a lot but like he was such a good player for them the year before and like that he was actually exciting to watch he was worth he was something that you know you could kind of build some confidence around and kind of have like this attacking piece that was creative and, and, and at least interested in trying things. Um, and he was just completely absent this year. And I know a lot of that was due to injury. And I, I think same thing with, uh, you know, even the defense with, uh, with, with Soberg. 
Um, and that's unfortunate. But, you know, they're still out there running Doyle as a number 10 a lot of times. And it, it, they've got Azir kind of came back down to earth. They got rid of Cronin. Um, it was just a strange thing for them. And, and they've made their head coach, um, bringing in a young head coach. And I'm really curious to see if at some point they kind of say, all right, we have to move away from this this Mastroianni style. Like we, we're not going to be able to just kind of succeed like that on a regular basis. And you know, looking forward to seeing uh, signings. It looked like uh, the German guy they picked up uh, during the summer last year, Einier, uh has some some flashes of, of some attacking impetus. And I think they've got a really good piece in Baji, um, who's just not really utilized in that system yet, but is someone that could that could potentially be a guy that scores, you know. 10, 15 goals a year, given the right pieces around them. Um, I don't think that they're a lost cause by any means, but I think there's just too much work to do over one offseason. No, yeah, and look, I don't have any problem with a, a defensive style, especially mm-hmm. in that fortress-type environment. Um, I think putting defense first is an easy way to build, and I think financially it's it's a cheap way to build, you know. And, and, and look, I'm not trying to uh, call them cheap skates or, you know, that, that that's not my intended meaning. But, you yeah. know, obviously they're not going to be able to compete with the Seattles, with the LAFC, with the Atlanta, with Toronto. So, you know, you kind of have to look at a different paradigm. And I think looking as a counterattacking team that builds on the back line and then moves forward with, you know, a, a young man like Baji who has a breakneck speed, who's uh, dynamic in his ability ability to get on that break and to to create shots on the break that's that that's a really good way to go about it and then you add a guy like gashi and, and um you know they they added another 10 um this year that hopefully will give them more um over the top support and i say over the top as in uh you know providing those through ball type passes um i i, I really hope that that's the direction that they go and they kind of recreate themselves while still kind of fitting that mold. I, I, I like them as a defensive team. I, I don't want them to kind of, in a way I kind of don't want them to change. Yeah. Well, it would definitely be a change of identity, but I can also understand, um, you know, just wanting to kind of find like more success in this kind of newer environment where there's going to be a lot of, I'd say like faster paced play. Um, <clears throat> I think they might find it a little bit difficult to keep up uh, with the top of the table if they, they choose to kind of stay on their shell. But again, they got a new coach, a new direction, and um, maybe, you know, they'll show us something. But uh, I, I would like to see, um, you know, a guy like Doyle kind of moved out of a prominent role. I think that that's something that's been needing to happen for um, a while. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know what their plans are for, for him going forward, but, but I'd like to see kind of him kind of shunted off into a more of a reserve role. So we've kind of go, gone over an hour. What I think that we'll try to do right here is cut it off. We'll do this part as part one, and then we're going to go into uh, part two. So that way it kind of gives you guys a, a, a means of cutting this up because I think that we still have a lot left to say. Uh, and that was kind of what we talked about beforehand is that it was really hard to uh, kind of condense all this. There's a lot here to review from 2017. So we'll call this part one, and then uh, we'll finish this up, and uh, you know we'll, we'll have part two here Shut your face, high school jerks. We're about to show you how this works. Are we cool? Laser beams. We're about to awesome all your dreams. And you'll say, What are you, some kind of computer? And we'll say, Yes, I bought beer. And I'm going deaf for cheesy I'm feeling a bit uneasy 
I'm back.